Amen? Anybody that knows me knows I love movies. I am a movie enthusiast. Uh, the, when, when we went through the COVID and the first time the doors were open saying we could go to movies, I wasn't scared. I was like, I'm there. I don't even care if it's a movie I don't like. I just want to be back in the theater. And, and I went, but he, he, here's the thing. If you go with me to a movie, during that movie, I'm not there to talk to you. Don't try to have a conversation. I just paid 12 bucks. We'll t- and 50 or 60, including the popcorn and drink. So, because my wife has to have popcorn if we go. Uh, so don't talk to me. We'll talk afterwards. We'll talk before, not during. I am that guy that if you are talking in the theater, I'm not afraid to turn around and go, shh, keep it down. Listen, we can talk later. Uh, I've done it before. I have. Uh, and, and so don't do that. But, but there are people that, like, my wife is notorious for the Even at home, if I'm watching a movie, I don't want to be disturbed. Uh, if I wanted to watch a show in segments, I'd watch a series. But I want to watch the full movie. because. And, but my wife is notorious for this, and some of you may know someone like this. Me sit down to watch a movie or a TV show, and she comes in about a quarter of the way through it. Hey, what's going on? Why don't we like this person? What happened? You know, anybody know somebody? Like they want you to catch them up on, on what they've missed. And then uh, if it doesn't get, after you spend the time catching them up and uh, you get back into it, well, then they just leave before they, it's even over. And come on, anybody know anybody like that? It's all right. I think that's where a lot of people are in life. We're living life by watching. We're coming in about 20 minutes late into the movie, leaving early, and then trying to make sense of what is actually going on. We don't know what happened to start this, and we didn't stick around to see how it ends. And yet we're trying to make sense of everything in the middle. I think that's where our country is right now. We're, we're trying to make sense of things that are going on in our life. And a lot of times it leaves us asking the question of this, okay, where's God in this? Even though we showed up late, we left before it was over, where's God in this? And we start trying to fill in the blanks. Come on. Putting our own plot twist on it. Making up uh, uh, things that were, were not meant to be in the movie, our own explanation. And then when we can't explain it, we ask the question, where's God? If there's a God, why would he allow so much suffering in the world? Come on, anybody heard that question asked or even ask it yourself? If there's a God, why would he allow so much suffering in the world? I mean, and it's easy to to draw that, to to get there. When you look at what we've seen happen over in Afghanistan the past few weeks, when you look at at the hurricane that has devastated uh, Louisiana and other places, when you look at the opioid addiction, not just, we could say it's worldwide, but let's be honest, it's affecting us personally. When we look at kids growing up without a mom or dad, Grandparents having to become moms and dads again. When we look at COVID and now the resurgence of COVID, when I ended up in the emergency room the second time, 
Denise and I were the, there was not a, a room, emergency room bed open at all. And when we finally got into one, we were the only one there. I was the only one there that wasn't there related to COVID. And they said, stay in your room, shut the door, don't come out. And it's easy to say, if there's a God, why all the suffering in the world? Why is all this going on? Uh, if you will, uh, turn with me to John chapter 11. They put, I asked them to put this up for me, and I'm not sure I'll use it. Uh, I, I may pass out just from being unwinded before I sit down here. Uh, but I want to look at a story that a lot of you may be familiar with. If you're not familiar with this story, one of the things I love about pastoring a church with people that know nothing about uh, religion, know nothing about church, is Man, they hear a story, and it's like, I know we, we had went out to eat with uh, some new friends of ours, Wendy and Casey, a couple of weeks, and Wendy was like, I've never heard that story in the Bible. And then I was like, man, I love that, the newness people feel. So we're going to be in John 11, 1. If you will, turn with me, and Chloe, you always do an awesome job, so just keep up with me. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. Verse 3. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Those six words speaks volumes to me. Because John is wanting us to know, hey, everything that's about to happen, we need to know this truth. That the one that... Jesus loves is sick. He's sick. Jesus, your friend, the one you love is sick. Verse 4. When Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through this. In other words, guys, you understand there's something greater going on here that you cannot see or understand. And John not only wanted us to know that Jesus loved Lazarus, but look at verse 5. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Track with me. Jesus loved Martha. Jesus loved Mary. Jesus loves Lazarus. When you read the scriptures, you see these people were more than just acquaintances of Jesus. He loved them, right? He, he, he loved them. He loved them. This makes this next part strange to me. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. When he heard that the one he loved was sick, he stayed. He hung out where he was a couple more days. Come on. Does that sound a little cold or apathetic to anybody else? I mean, if you got news... And let me say this, when, when I was sitting in there the first time, because like I said, I've not been to a hospital since I was 15 years old, and, and I was hurting the day before, but nothing major, and Denise like, should we go to the mercy? I said, no, I've, I'll tough this out. And, and then by that evening, I'm like, Denise, I, I got to go. I got to get to the hospital. And I mean, it was a constant pain like I've never felt. And I get in the car and my wife, the urgency because the one she loved was sick. 
We took our flashers on. I've never seen this woman. It was like a bat out of hell just flying as fast as she could. And I did not care. Uh, I mean, we've got, we're passing people. We're passing. Time we got to Sweetwater, someone had called the police about some crazy person doing 90 miles to 100 miles an hour. And so they said, what did I do? What did I do? I said, pull over and just get out of the car. And he pulls out, pulls over, gets out of the car, says, uh, hands it. She's like, uh, uh, I'm, my husband's having some kind of attack. I'm getting him to the hospital. And then the officer, well, ma'am, you still can't be speeding. To which my, reply, my wife replies, you can give me a ticket, but it'll be at the hospital. And got back in her car, and the cop's like, uh, let me circle around you. <laughs> Why? Because that's the kind of urgency you feel. Imagine you get a call. Somebody calls you, hey, 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 your wife, your child, man, they've been sent to the ER. I'll be right there. Let me finish them on my yard. Jesus, the one you love, sick. Jesus hangs out two more days. I mean, it just seems a little cold and apathetic. I mean, have you, have you ever experienced something like that? Where you say, God, I need you right now. Not in two days. I need you right now. But here's what we need to understand. We're talking and praying to a God that is not bound by time. He's not bound to our timetable. He's outside of time and space. So that two days is nothing to him. And we'll make it sound good, though. We'll wait. Come on. We'll make it sound real spiritual so the people think we've not lost our faith. He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. But I'd really like him here right now. I mean, that's our song, right? He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. And we may sing that, but if we're being honest, crap, God, here's my own time. I need it right now. I mean, that's, that's our thinking. Or we'll say something like, oh, just fake it till you make it. Come on. I need you now. I need you today. And Jesus hangs out a couple more days. I mean, how would that make you feel? What message would that send to you? Because I think this is what happens to us a lot of times. We cry out to God. We go to God. And even if our faith is small, we go to him. And when things don't happen in the timetable or the way we want them, the mindsets get, our mindsets gets embedded inside of us sometimes without even knowing it. We're, we start thinking this. God doesn't even really care about me or what's going on in my life right now. Hey, God, hope things are good up there. Because right now, I'm walking through hell. I need you right now. It says, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Verse 7. And he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you. Yet you're going back? See, I think when they came and told Jesus, hey, the one you love is sick and Jesus didn't go, they were okay with that. Because they knew word had been sent to them that the Jews back in Judea, they were out to kill Jesus. And them hanging with Jesus, that put a target on their back. And here's the thing. If Jesus had went right away 
They would say, okay, he, this is an emotional response. He's not even thinking about them killing him, but he waits two days. And they're like, uh, Jesus, don't you remember? We, there's people wanting to kill us uh, back there. And then Jesus, I love the way Jesus talks to his disciples. Jesus answered, verse 9, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. I can imagine Peter looking at the other guy going like, what in the world is he talking about? Of course you can see better when it's daytime. Of course you're going to stumble at night if you don't have light. What does that have to do with our friend Lazarus being, I like it when you tell me exactly what you mean. I, I'm simple. I, I think that's one of the biggest things. That, but the, the, one of the reasons, see, if, if the disciples had been all women and Jesus, oh, who walks by day can see. The, the women would have been, Jesus, that's so beautiful. Oh, I, I get the poetry behind what you're saying. Men, we just like, I have no clue what you just said, Jesus. I, I mean, great, but uh, if he needs to be woken up, somebody else besides us can wake him up. His disciples replied, if he sleeps, he'll get better. If he's sleeping, there's no need for us to go back to wake him up. Surely his sisters can get him up. He's just hitting snooze again, God. Verse 13. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. Jesus like, guys, you're not seeing the picture that I'm painting. So let me tell you exactly. He dead. D-E-A-D, he dead. Get this. And it was for your sake that I'm glad I was not there. What if God showed up? What if God didn't show up in your life the way you wanted to for somebody else's sake? Here's what I mean. You're, you're going through something. You're going through some hurt, some suffering or trial. And God allows you to go through it not because you, he, you're, you're, the suffering has nothing to do with you. He's wanting to reveal his glory to somebody else that's watching you during the suffering. What if Jesus came to you in the middle of your trial or your suffering and said, I can either show up right now, not let you die, or I can allow you to go through this so that others will see my glory. If I'm being honest, I'd be like, is there an option C? Maybe just a little bit of suffering. Maybe not all the way dead. For your sake, I'm glad I was not there. So that you may believe, let us go to him. This next verse cracks me up. You know Thomas is doubting Thomas, but here's uh, the optimist that Thomas is. Then Thomas, also known as Denimus, said to the rest of the disciples, Hey, let's go with him so that we can die too. <laughs> Thomas is like, come on guys, we, we're not going to talk him out of this. When Jesus gets his mindset... He's going to do whatever, so let's just go with him. We can die. Here's what I believe Thomas is saying. If we lose Jesus, who are we? If I lose my faith in this one I've been following for three years, I'm nothing anyway. 
Do you remember when, you remember when Jesus, uh, the, he preached this hard message and it says that people began to leave Jesus because they couldn't take what he was teaching. And Jesus looked at his disciples and said, are you going to leave too? And they said, where are we going to go? Our faith is embedded in you. If we lose that, I can lose my faith in everything else, God, but I cannot lose it in you. Verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. Many Jews had come to comfort Martha and Mary because of their loss. See, here's the truth. There is no suffering without loss, and that requires love. They were suffering. Why is there suffering in the world? Why do we suffer? I've come up with four reasons we suffer. If you're taking notes, here's the first one. We suffer because of our bad choices. Our bad choices. I mean, we like to blame God and others. But if we're being very honest, most of our suffering comes because of our bad choices. I'm suffering a little this morning because... A day after I got home, I made the choice to shave my beard off. This face was not made to go without a beard. I said, never again. But y'all miss, at least I did take the stash off because it was four. I look like a 70, a retired 70 sitcom actor. And <laughs> don't get me laughing, it hurts. Uh, and while I joke, here's what we want. We want to be able to make bad decisions, bad choices, and then God save us from those consequences. That's what we want. And when God doesn't save us from those consequences, that gives us the right to blame God and be mad at God and say, where's God? God doesn't care. See, a whole lot of our suffering is due to bad choices. And I heard Irvin McManus said this, and I wrestled, I even ran it by my wife, and she didn't give me a nay or yay, and I think it was more on the nay part, but I made this one of your notes is this. Jesus died for our sins, not for our stupidity. And I'll explain this. I'll explain this. You have to die to your stupidity on your own. See, I wish God would have stopped me from making some of the stupid decisions I made that brought me suffering. Come on. I wish God would have stopped me at, at, at a certain age from, from, from making a stupid choice to throw away a full ride, a, a scholarship that I had. To, to, I wish God would have caused me to stop me from making those stupid choices. But here's the thing. God did not create robots. He created human beings with free will. And we want our freedom, but we don't want to have to pay the consequences for our stupid choices. You want to eliminate some of the suffering and the pain of your life? Make better choices. Second reason we suffer. We suffer because of someone else's bad choices. Some of you understand exactly what I'm saying. 
because you are either suffering now, hurting now, or in the past because of choices and decisions that someone else made that affected your life deeply. But here's the truth. It goes both ways. Because some of you now are making choices that is hurting and affecting those in your life right now. And it becomes an endless cycle. And we can sit around blaming bad choices that someone else made that caused you to be where you are emotionally, spiritually, financially, physical. And we can keep letting that cycle build momentum or we can say, no, it stops right here. I'm not, I refuse to allow someone else's bad choices to cause me to make even more bad choices for my life. I will no longer play the victim. Are you with me, church? See... You can end this cycle of pain and suffering and bad choices. You can. The problem is this. So many of you have allowed others and their bad choices and now your bad choices to define you and give you your identity. And that causes this problem. If you bring that up, we live from our identity. We live from who we think we are. That's how we do life. You live from that. And we've allowed bad choices that were made during our childhood to lap over into our adulthood. And the lines have become so blurred. And we've allowed those things to tell us who we are. Instead of God telling us who we are. So we suffer because of our bad choices. We suffer because of someone else's bad choices. Third, we suffer because bad things just happen. Bad things just happen. Let's be honest. You ever asked the question or heard it asked, why do bad things happen to good people? Mandy, uh, Denise, I believe it was Mandy, my days are so confused. Denise was reading me this post um, from Facebook about someone had that had, had put up this, why do bad things keep happening to good people? And oh, the floodgates of responses opened. It's amazing how theological people get. But here's the truth. The Bible isn't a story of good people and bad people. The Bible is a story of bad people and a good God, Period. And Paul said this in Romans 3.10, there is no one good, no, not one. So maybe the question we should ask is this, why do good things happen to us, period? Period. Because there's no one can stand here and say, I'm righteous all the time, I'm good all the time. If you say that, you're going against what the Bible says. There's no one good. Truthfully, there are things that just happen. It's not because of someone else's bad choices, not because of your bad choices. It's just because of the old southern slang we use. And I'm going to shorten it. It happens. You can fill in the rest of the blanks. I mean, let's be honest. Stuff just happens. Who would have known Hurricane Ida would hit this area of Louisiana harder than across town. This person's house would be destroyed. This person's house would not even be touched. Who would have known? Who would have known you would be born uh, predisposed to have cancer? Who 
would have known you would be born genetically predisposed to have heart disease, diabetes? Who would have known those things? Come on. Oh, you hear me? Who would have known that, that you'd be out hiking or someone would be out hiking one day and then just uh, so happens in that spot, some loose rock just comes down, takes the feet out of somebody. Sometimes bad things just happen. And if you're looking for answers, let me give you my best, my deepest theological reasoning that I can have. There, To me, there are only two things certain in this life, and I'm not talking about death and taxes. Here's the two things that I'm completely certain of. Life isn't fair, and God is good. Those are the two things I'm certain of. Life isn't fair, God is good. Well, welcome back, Pastor Kelly. Could you at least make us feel good about ourselves? There are times that things, bad things just happen. Well, PK, it doesn't make sense. Can I be honest with you? I know. I know. When Denise and I lost a child, you could quote me all the scripture you want. Didn't make sense. When I lost my dad to cancer, godliest man I ever knew, didn't make sense. When I lost my mom to sickness, it did not make sense. When this church lifted up Melanie Hall over and over and over for years, praying and believing God for a healing, and she passed away, it didn't make sense. Here's what I've learned in my own life, and now as a pastor and talking and walking people through things in this. It's not the suffering that destroys us. It's the lack of meaning and purpose in that suffering. When we go through something or tragedy strikes, we want to know why it happened. Come on, can we be honest? Why did this have to happen? Why did it take place? What is the meaning of it? Was it something I did or didn't do? Was it something they did? Why? And we find ourselves, if we're not careful, careful, trapped in this cycle of trying to understand something we will never understand. And we have to realize sometimes bad things just happen in this broken world we live in. One of the things, God, I love about the Bible is the vulnerability of the people in it. Uh, if you, in my reading plan this past week, I read Psalms 44. I love the writer's honesty and vulnerability, his realness uh, with his relationship with God, how he's feeling. See, that you read the Psalms, read on your own, but he starts out reminding himself, God, you are responsible for every breakthrough I've had, for every triumph I've had, for every blessing. And he declares this, my hope, my trust is in God. Despite what he's going through, he's still worshiped. He's determined. I'm going to push through this. I'm going to praise my way through this. You ever been there? You're going through it. And you're like, not today, Satan. I'm going to put on my worship music. I'm going to worship my way through this. And you do until you don't. You do until you're not seeing a breakthrough. You've prayed. And you pray and you pray. But then as, a, as the writer of this psalm, you see nothing is changing. Nothing is going the way I thought it would. God, uh, God, is coming. God isn't coming through like I thought he should. You know the biggest difference between us and this psalm, the guy writing this? 
he begins to vent to God. He began, and I mean, he pulls no punches. Look at verses 9 through 12 of Psalms 44, if you'll bring that up. But you have turned, he's talking to God. God, you've turned your back on us. You walked off, left us. You've rejected us, tossing us aside in humiliating shame. You don't go before us anymore in our battles. We retreat before our enemies in defeat, for you are no longer helping us. Verse 11, you have treated us like sheep in the slaughter pen, ready to be butchered. You've scattered us to the four winds. You have sold us as slaves for nothing. You have counted us, your precious ones, as worthless. Jump down to verse 17, 18. Look at this. Despite all this, We've not forgotten you, God. We've not broken covenant with you. We've not betrayed you. You still have our hearts. God, I've been going through hell. And I've stayed true to you. I've, I've not betrayed you. I've not walked away from you. Then you get this sense of frustration in verse 23. So wake up, Lord God. Why would you sleep when we're in trouble? ever felt that way and then if you didn't think the psalmist could be more vulnerable look how he closes this out in verse 25 and 26 here we are flat on our faces in the dirt held down with a boot on our necks get up come to our rescue if you love us so much help us God where are you What's going on? Do you, do, you, do you know what God does for this writer's audacity to vent and spew to him? Do you know what he does? He puts it in the Bible for us to read thousands of years later. Why? I think he wants us to know there are going to be times you don't understand things. And I can handle your frustration I can handle your vent. I can handle your questions. Pour your heart out. Don't, you're not going to offend me. You're not. No, pour it all out on me. Because I know this life, as broken as it is, it is going to bring you questions. It is going to bring you suffering and trauma. I'm here. Pour it out on me. He didn't look at the psalmist and say, how dare you talk to me that way? He put it in the Bible for us to read. I think it's so that through that, we can finally get to a place where we realize, I don't like what's going on, but I'm learning I really can't trust him with my entire life. The triumphs, the suffering, the victories, and the defeats, I can trust him completely. Sometimes bad things just happen. The last reason we suffer, this may surprise you. We suffer because of good choices we make. Sometimes we suffer because we make right choices. Some of you know what that's like. You lost a relationship because of a good choice, a right choice you made. You lost a job because of a right choice you made. You lost a career, a friend, an opportunity because of a right choice you made. Listen to me, though. You may have lost those things for those right choices, but you didn't lose you. Are you hearing me? You made a right choice 
It costs you, but you didn't lose you. Let's, let's get back to the story and close this thing out. Man, I had, I was telling Casey yesterday, my wife, I've got 25 pages of notes. I'm trying to narrow down. Even this morning, I'm trying. Let's get back to this. Jesus shows up. Lazarus is dead. His two sisters, Mary and Martha, they're overwhelmed, pain and grief, verse 20. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. You ever been there? God didn't show up the way you thought he should. I don't even want to go to church. I don't even want to be around God's people. He didn't show up. She hears Jesus is there. Mary stays at home. But big sis Martha, she's got some words for Jesus. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. I think that's where our mind gets a lot of times when things happen, when we suffer. Jesus, if you had just called, if you had came when I called you the first time, I wouldn't be in this. If you had just showed up, if you just answered my prayer, this would have happened. But then she says, but I know, even now, God, you'll give me whatever you ask. If you had been here, I know he would have lived. But even now, I know if you talk to your father, you talk to God, he's going to give you whatever you ask for. And then Jesus says, your brother will rise again. Jesus is like, I know what you want to hear. Jesus, your, your brother's going to rise again. And Martha goes into this. Oh, great. Here we go. Let's get all spiritual, Jesus. Look how she responds. Uh, verse 24. I, I, I know he's going to rise again in the resurrection in the last day. But he's dead right now. I know there's coming a day. But I'm thinking about right now. He's dead. And Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you know what Jesus is saying to her? He's saying, you, you think the resurrection is an event. You think the resurrection is a happening. But you need to know the resurrection is a person. And that person, the resurrection, is standing before you right now in this moment. It's not an event. It's not a happening. I am the resurrection and the life. See, here's a fact, guys. Death and life, tragedy, beauty, suffering, joy. There is not one without the other. There's not. See, see Jesus brought the story of beauty. It is us who introduced the story of suffering. Jesus brought the story of hope. We brought the, 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 the story of tragedy. Jesus brought the story of life. We brought the story of death. Why would God allow us to live in a world with so much suffering? I mean, have you ever heard someone say this? I just can't believe in a God that would allow this suffering. Maybe you even said it yourself. You know what? okay. I, I just don't believe in God. If there was a God, he wouldn't allow this kind of suffering. Let's walk this out real quick. Let's say you're right. Let's say there is no God. Is there still suffering in the world? Is there still suffering in the world? So now there's no God, 
but they're still suffering. So we've taken God out of the equation because God doesn't exist. Therefore, we can't, bl- can't blame God anymore for our suffering. So who's there left to blame for our suffering? Us. Could it be that we are the cause of our suffering and that God does exist and he is absolutely heartbroken over choices and decisions we've made that have brought our own suffering on us? Could it be that God is so heartbroken that you made that decision that brought all this suffering not upon you but upon your children, upon your family? See, we are to blame. I had this conversation with Zion before, uh, probably three weeks ago. He, he's liking this girl, and, and they hadn't made it. It's official now. Um, but, they, you know, they hadn't made it. They've been dating, and, I mean, he was really into her. And, and so I had this conversation, and I, and I was like, Zion, man, so what, how do you feel that, that I... I really like her. Can you see a future with this girl? I, I, I can. I can see a future, but here's the problem. He'd gone through some rough relationships, a couple of rough, rough relationships, but they gave him some of his best songs, too, that he wrote. <laughs> ask, ask Taylor Swift how that worked out for her. Um, and I said, he said, yeah, Dad, I really like her. I said, then you need to have a hard conversation with her about your feelings because the truth is this, Diane. There is no fail-safe when it comes to love. There is no guarantee that your heart will not be broken when you give it to someone. But there is this guarantee. If you don't risk giving your heart to someone, there is this guarantee. You will never find or experience the love you really want in life. Never. And they've made it official. And she is a great girl with a heart after God, which impresses me more than anything else. See, here's the hard truth, guys. Only the one you love, only the one you give your heart to can break it. And in this culture we're living, we want want to have all the good stuff, all the mushy stuff, but without any risk of suffering, any risk of pain. But here's the truth, guys. It's your nose. Suffering is not the enemy of love. It is the result of love. Can you bring that up for me, Chloe? Suffering is not the enemy of love. It is the result of love. What do you mean? Jesus suffered for one and only one reason. Because he loved us. The whole story of uh, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, the driving force behind it is love. We know the ending of the story. Mary and Martha don't. They don't know the ending of the story. God is going to do something that takes this tragedy. God's going to do something that takes this pile of ashes and, and turn it into something beautiful. See, God is not the God of ashes or tragedy. He is the God of beauty. And the only reason we experience pain and suffering is because God is a God of love. Uh, What do you mean? See, when God created humans, 
He didn't want just another species, another creation that would glorify him or bring him praise. He's got that. Drive across the dam over here when the sun's coming up. It glorifies God. Go down to this field where, where I've seen tons of pictures where, where the sunflowers, it's just field upon field. Everybody, God got things given him glory. Drive up through the Smoky Mountains. We are surrounded by God's glory. Here's the problem. Those things cannot give love, cannot experience love, cannot receive love. And God wanted people that weren't robots. And he gave us free will, free will. And God created us so that we could receive love, experience love. But here's the thing, along with that comes the very real possibility of suffering. When God gave us love, he gave us free will. And guess that, guess what? With that, we choose to heal or hurt. We choose to build or break down or build, build or break. We choose to curse or create. Jesus loved Mary and Martha. He loved Lazarus. And he let Lazarus die. He loved him. He let him die. Why? Because Jesus knew there was a bigger story unfolding. Jesus looked at Martha. He said, I am the resurrection, the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Do you believe this? In verse 27, yes, Lord, she replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who is to come into this world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary's side. Get, look what she says. The teacher is here and he's asking for you. And any of the conversation Jesus and Mary had, did Jesus ever say, hey, go get your sister uh, Mary, you ever tell Martha that? I believe Martha went back. I give up. Mary, Jesus, go see what you can do. He's not answering the questions like I want him to answer. It says, when Mary heard this, she gets up quickly and goes to him. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha met him. When the Jews had been with Mary in, this, in, in the house, comforting her. Notice how quickly Mary got up, went out. They followed her. They thought she was going to the tomb to mourn. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet. Look what she says. If you'd been here, you'd been here when I called you. If you'd been here when we sent word to you, when we prayed, my brother wouldn't have died. Even with Jesus being right in front of her, she's still asking the question, where's God? Even with Jesus right in front of her, she's still saying, God, why would you allow us to go through this? You love us. See, I believe when someone asks, does God really exist? What they're really asking is, does God care? Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping, and I am closing, if I can get the team to come on up. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, 
He was what? He was what? And troubled. The original Greek there, Greek word there that is used for that. Get this. Literally means furious indignation. He was furious. Not not at Mary and Martha for weeping. Not at the people for weeping. Why? I believe because when he looked at it, it made him angry inside because he thought, this is not the world my father created. You weren't designed for death. You weren't designed for suffering. And it breaks my heart that choices made up to this point has brought suffering to you. And it kills me. It makes me angry. Makes me mad. And then we have the, the, the shortest verse of the Bible. Where have you laid him? He asked, come and see, Lord. They replied, Jesus wept. Jesus wept because he saw his friends, the ones he loved, suffering. He wept because he knew this was not my father's design. What brought us here? I think Jesus was like, this is why I was sent. Because through my suffering, My love is going to be shown that even in this world of suffering, even in this world of chaos, with question, I'm getting ahead. Look what he says. Those looking on that day saw something. They said this. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. Some of you, you're going through some things right now. And I, where's God? I just, I just can't believe God. Or where's God in this? Maybe you're not at the point where I don't believe in God because of this. But you're suffering. You're saying, where's God? Why, God, did this allow to happen? You need to know that he weeps with you. And that he loves you dearly. And while we may not understand everything that's going on in our life, John, we may not understand everything that has happened. You need to know he loves you. He loves you. And his heart breaks because of the suffering that you're going through right now. His heart breaks because that was not his design. There are others of you in here. You need to know. He loves you. You're going through something, but that was not his design. And it doesn't even matter what Kelly, I know it's my choices. God said, listen, it may have been your choices, but my choice was to die and love you regardless of the choices you ever make. Stand with me across this room.